When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. And here we go again. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to today's podcast of the Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost. Here, as always, with my fake black friend, White Boy Malcolm X. And White Boy Malcolm X, I think because of our news stories today, and folks, I apologize in advance. Today is a pretty gay episode. (laughs) It's not my fault, right? Uh, I don't go looking for this stuff. I mean, kind of, I do. But, you know, some weeks there's a lot of race in the pile, and some weeks there's a lot of weird other stuff in the pile. And this is just one of those... uh, podcast where it is extra gay. So today, White by Malcolm X, I think I am going to be America's most beloved self-loathing homosexual because you queens out there, and I know who you are, you queens out there are going to listen to this podcast and go, man, he is so self-loathing, trashing the gay community like that. Not really, but hey, you queens out there are entertaining and I just like to laugh sometimes. Before we jump into things, remember that my email is miller at millerfrostonline.com. And my parlor handle is at Miller Frost. Feel free to reach out if you want. I don't even really care, folks, if it's nasty. You can go and call me self-loathing if you want. That's how I got that uh, title. So feel free to shoot me an email if you would like or say hi or tell me to go blank myself on parlor if that makes you feel better. A couple of quick items before we jump into our news quick hits. We always like to do corrections at the top of the podcast just in case I forget, but First, I would like to apologize to Caitlyn Jenner. If you are listening to this podcast, I believe when I was talking about Caitlyn's possibility of running for the California governorship on our Wednesday podcast, our short podcast from last week, I used the word he the first time out. It was a slip of the tongue. I was not trying to be a passive-aggressive queen. I might be a queen, but I am not a passive-aggressive queen, and I know, folks, that can be confusing sometimes because when you hear queen, you think passive aggressive, but no, I am not that type. So, hey, Caitlin, I am sorry. Just a slip of the tongue, right? And no, folks, no, I did not get an email from Caitlin or any one of her handlers to apologize. It was just, hey, it's the right thing to do. I did not mean to misgender her. You people out there, I know some of you out there think that I just hate transgenders and I like to make fun of them. I don't hate anyone for being transgender. In fact, I hate very few people People annoy me, right? But that is the purpose of this podcast is to kind of (laughs) laugh and have fun at the people that kind of annoy me. So no, I don't actually hate people for being transgender. 
Now, I might make fun of people who happen to be transgender, right? So I also make fun of people who might happen to be white or happen to be black or happen to be gay or happen to be bisexual or whatever. But I don't do it because of that. And I know that uh, might confuse some of you, right? Because anytime you question a transgender or any other special demographic group, you get uh, called all sorts of fun names. And I think Barack Obama is the perfect example of that, right? For eight years, anytime you had a criticism of Barack Obama, it was just dismissed as, well, you're just a racist, right? No matter what you said about Barack Obama, had nothing to do with race. You'd be like, I don't agree with your judicial picks. I don't agree with your governing philosophy. Well, you're just a racist. <laughs> They're like children sometimes. If they don't get their way, <laughs> they just like to call names. So transgenders are the same way, right? You can't criticize someone who happens to be transgender. You get in a lot of trouble because they get butthurt about that, right, folks? So they call you a bigot and a turf if you're a woman or some sort of transphobe. But no, I, uh, I just wanted to uh, do a quick apology. I hope not to screw up again, but hey, sometimes... Sometimes we make mistakes. We all do, right? Except if you are a leftist, right? They never make mistakes. They never apologize for anything. But those of us that do make mistakes, from time to time, that will happen. And I will come onto this podcast at the very beginning of each podcast where I screw up and I will own that mistake front and center. And one more thing, folks. White Boy Malcolm X, did you see the location data? Oh, you did not. You should. So, folks, obviously, when you're doing a podcast, you get all sorts of information, not not too detailed, but you get information about the number of podcasts, the podcasts that people are listening to, how long they listen to it. And one of those pieces of data is location, right? So we get ideas about, I don't get your address. Don't worry. Calm down, folks out there. I do not know where you live. But if someone from Boston, for example, if they download a podcast, we will just get a tick that says someone from Boston downloaded the podcast. So I don't know who downloaded what, but it'll just say someone from Boston or Atlanta or Denver or what have you. They have downloaded the podcast. But apparently, White Boy Malcolm X, The Swamp, is listening to this podcast. <laughs> yes, The Swamp. And now that makes me very nervous because when The Swamp gets hold of something, then you start to get on their list. And the last place I want to be is on a list in the swamp, especially with that pack of mean girls there between the Democratic politicians and the mainstream media. And I especially, White by Malcolm X, I especially do not want that pocket queen, Pete Buttigieg, and his low-rent husband, that low-rent queen from Indiana, Chastin Buttigieg, because I will be in a world of trouble if those two are listening in. Can you imagine that, White by Malcolm X? Pete, Pete, I have got to tell you something. What is it, Chastin? You know, I'm, I'm on my way out the door to go to work. Well, Pete, I was listening to this podcast, and this guy, Miller Frost, that queen, you know what he called me? No, Chastin, I have no idea what he called you. He called me a low-rank queen from Indiana. I am sorry, but I am not a low-rank queen from Indiana. Can you believe that? Chastin, that is horrible for him to say. You are not that low-rent. Excuse me? You're not that low-rent, Chastin. What the what? I'm not that low-rent? You're not low-rent. I'm sorry. Maybe my ears are all clogged up or something. But what did I just hear you say? You just said that I am not that Laurent. I just misspoke. It didn't sound like you misspoke. That sentence came out all perfect. Chastin, I need to get to work. They got the bike loaded up in the back of the SUV. They need to drive me over so I can ride a block to the office. So I need to get going. Can we, can you just drop this? I'm sorry, what did you just say? Chastin, this really isn't the time. I need to go to work. 
Are you trying to silence me? No, I just, we cannot talk about this right now. I'm sorry. Are you trying to invalidate my feelings? Are you trying to erase me? Oh, Jesus Christmas. Now, Chastin, I would never try to erase you. That is just, that's silly. I'm sorry. You just said, stop talking about it. That's not what I said. You said, be quiet. You said, shut up, Chastin. No, Chastin, I really, I didn't say any of that. You're trying to erase me, and you are trying to invalidate me. You are trying to silence me, and I will not be silenced. Yeah, I don't think that would ever be possible. Excuse me? Chastin, I have to go to work. I have to go talk to Creepy Echo Joe the hair sniffer. Well, fine then. You go to work then, Mr. Big Shot, Mr. Secretary of Transportation. You go and get your cheap suits dirty so I have to drive them over to the dry cleaner. Fine, I'll just sit at home all day and do nothing. We'll talk about this when I get home. Okay then, sure, Pocket Queen. What? Well, he called you a Pocket Queen. I might be a low-rent queen from Indiana, but he called you a Pocket Queen. He said what? He called you a pocket queen. So if you want to go to work, why don't you, instead of getting in your SUV and driving and then riding your bicycle and getting your cheap suit dirty because you got to ride a bicycle one block, right? Don't do that. Just hop in my pocket. I'll take you to work myself. He called me a pocket queen. Yes, he did, girlfriend. Yes, he did. Well, I guess I know who's going to get a highway right in their front yard. (laughs) And that, folks, that is exactly why I do not want Chastin and Pete Buttigieg listening to this podcast because there will be a highway going right down my front yard in the name of equity. And what do I always say when the word equity is used? Someone is about to get screwed. And I hope, I hope folks, it's not me. Wipe by Malcolm X, should I go easier on Pete and Chastin Buttigieg? Hell no. Okay. (laughs) Pete and Chastin, I'm sorry. It's not my fault. You can blame the fake black guy on the other side of the room. So let's go ahead and jump into our news quick hits. We got a lot of stuff in our news pile today, so I want to go ahead and jump right in. This is from Campus Reform. Liberal elites, professors more likely to have grown up socioeconomically privileged, study finds. I am shocked, 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 but let's go ahead and dig into that a little bit. Here are a couple pull quotes. A new study investigating the childhoods of tenure-track faculty found that professors are more likely to have been raised in wealthy neighborhoods by high-earning parents with advanced degrees. Conducted by researchers representing the University of Colorado Boulder and the Santa Fe Institute, well, if anyone knows about snooty white elitist liberals, it would be the University of Colorado at Boulder. The study, titled Socioeconomic Roots of Academic Faculty, surveyed 7,218 professors in Ph.D.-granting departments in the United States across eight disciplines in STEM, social sciences, and the humanities. And this is where it gets interesting, folks. The researchers say this convergence of inherited wealth and elite education contributes to the underrepresentation of tenured racial minorities in the professorate. So I guess, folks, it is not just my imagination or yours that academia is filled with snooty white liberals. We do, folks, we do from time to time have BIPOC folks in academia. We had that article a couple weeks ago, and those academics were, they were humble bragging about their tenured professorships and their book sales. They were the ones complaining about white rage. Those snooty BIPOC professors were raging on about white rage. This does, though, folks, it does make me think about snooty white liberals in academia, right? Because whenever you start talking about 
too much of anything, especially when it comes to color and especially when it impacts negatively the BIPOC folks. When you start talking about that sort of stuff, what is the end result, right? Equity. And what does equity mean? Somebody's about to get screwed. And what does that mean in academia? White people, white people are going to be culled from professorships or the opportunity to get a tenured professorship, right? Because all these snooty white liberals who are going through the ranks, they're working on their masters and their PhDs because they want to turn around and teach and indoctrinate your children at some point, all these good, rich white kids doing that. And suddenly, folks, suddenly they may not have those jobs anymore, right? Because they are going to be cold in favor of the BIPOC folk. Now, if they are actually, truly woke white liberals, right? They're going to say, well, I totally understand. And that makes perfect sense. And even though I have spent years and years and years focused on getting a tenured professorship at an elite university, I understand that it is important for BIPOC folk to be represented in tenured professorships. So I will willingly give up my tenured professorship so that a BIPOC folk can have it. Now, does anyone believe that would actually happen? No, no, not at all. It's like that snooty white doctor in Boston who was all about uh, equity in medicine, right? And what he was talking about was screwing whitey and making sure that BIPOC folk got to the front of the line when it came to medications and treatments. And my point was, you know, if he gets sick, he is going to crawl over every BIPOC folk he can get his hands on. So he gets to the front of the line to get treatment. But same thing here. Snooty white liberals, they like to pretend, oh, we really need to give those BIPOC folks opportunities. And I'm sure they mean it as long as it doesn't inconvenience them. But anyway, to my point, I wonder, white boy Malcolm X, I wonder if all these snooty white liberals, like folks on our Wednesday podcast, we had this article with these two snooty white chicks from the University of New Hampshire, and they were going to be teaching critical race theory in science because that's how woke they are. But I'm wondering, white boy Malcolm X, and you folks out there, I'm wondering if they are just spewing this stuff out. (laughs) right? I'm so woke. Let's teach critical race theory. White people suck. I'm wondering, though, if they're only doing it to save their own asses. They're probably looking around going, "Uh uh-oh, I don't want to be called a racist. And then you've got the uh, associate professors who do not have tenure. They're going, I need to show how woke I am. So you've got all these people trying to protect their own asses. So they are going around talking truth to power, and they're talking about racial injustice and how white people suck. And I think they're just Like I always say, they fake it till they make it, right? (laughs) They're running around trashing Whitey all day, every day. And I think they're only doing it. I'm sure some of them believe it, right? I'm sure some of them are just true believers in the woke cause. But I'm willing to bet that some of them, they just like a cushy lifestyle on a college campus, right? They go teach, I don't know, two, three classes a quarter. They make a fortune doing it. They get to run around and bed their students. It's like a legal version of teacher bait. Oh, speaking of which, White Boy Malcolm X, I have a really good teacher bait story coming up in today's podcast. I I almost forgot, folks. This show might be a, a bit gay, but hey, sweet baby Jesus has given me some good stuff. I have not one, but two smoking gun stories, and I have a teacher bait story. And I am not even going to complain, folks, that neither of the smoking gun stories are out of Florida. Those Florida folks are behaving themselves. But anyway, back to my main point. I just think, folks, that Some of these people on college campuses are just doing whatever they have to do to survive. They do not want to join us on the trains to the re-education camps. I think personally that they are being a bit naive. They are still going on that train no matter what. But hey, whatever you folks on your college campuses need to do. And I hear White by Malcolm X. I, uh, 
Mama Frost has a dear, dear friend of hers who is a college professor. Was. She actually retired now that I think about it. But yeah, she actually was the uh, chair of her department for I think about two or three years and was like, I do not want to deal with this anymore. So she stepped down from the chairmanship because, uh, or chairpersonship, because yeah, it was so cutthroat. Apparently a college campus. Folks, if you think that DC is a pack of mean girls, you have seen nothing until you have taught on a college campus. Apparently it's vicious and cutthroat and backstabby, just like high school, just like Washington, D.C. And folks, if you are in D.C. listening to this podcast, and I know you are, I am an equal opportunity basher. So I am giving the folks from Florida a break this week. So sorry. Someone has got to take it. It's your week. From The Guardian, French police on trail of international gang of Lego looters. Uh Uh-oh. Legos, white boy Malcolm X. Holy crap. And I thought they were long gone, but I guess not. And here are a couple pull quotes from that. French police say they are building a case against an international gang of toy thieves specializing in stealing Lego. And they have warned specialist shops and even parents to be aware of the global trade in the bricks. The alert comes after officers arrested three people, a woman and two men. And folks, I am so woke. Like I always say, I am the most woke person that I know. I hope that they identify as a woman and two men. (laughs) not just counting the hardware, in the process of stealing boxes of Lego from a toy shop outside Paris last June. Under questioning the suspects, all from Poland, so Polish people, apparently white by Malcolm X, they like to steal the Legos, reportedly admitted they were part of a team specializing in stealing Lego sought by collectors. And yes, folks, there are tons of Polish jokes out there. (laughs) No, I am not going to give you any of them. The Lego community isn't just made up of children, one investigator told La Parisienne newspaper. There are numerous adults who play with it. And I am assuming, folks, that they mean Legos, not sex dolls, (laughs) or with themselves. There are swaps and sales on the internet. We've also had people complaining their homes have been broken into and Lego stolen. And folks, I just assume that if there is a Lego community of adults out there, who else, white by Malcolm X, but millennials... (laughs) Would this involve, right? Because let's face it, folks, we know from this podcast and all the news articles that we have read over the last weeks and months that millennials do not like to adult, right? They do not like to pay their student loans. They do not like to pay their mortgages. They do not want to do anything but hang out in their parents' basement all day, watching TV, playing video games, eyeing up their sex doll, doing all sorts of weird crap with themselves. At least the men are, right? The uh, millennial chicks The white ones especially, they are out looting and rioting on behalf of BLM. White millennial chicks are the stormtroopers of the BLM movement. And speaking of which, folks, I have a really good, juicy BLM story coming up. But that is beside the point. But I think that this whole Lego thing, the thing that is driving the Polish to steal Legos, they are stealing them on behalf of millennials out there who do not want to adult, right? They want to sit in their parents' basement And when the sex doll is put down for the day, they want to play with Legos. I want to play with my Legos and build my Lego houses. And I feel bad for the parents, right? Because not only do they have a dopey kid living in their basement who will not leave because they do not want to adult, their houses are now getting broken into and the Legos are being stolen. So they have to suffer an additional indignity of having their house broken into. It's bad enough having to go around going, yeah, Tommy is in the basement. He's 32 years old. He just... That damn kid will not get out of my damn basement, and I'm afraid to go down there. It just stinks. And if I brought a blue light down there, I would freak out and throw up. So I'm just not going down there. The kid can stay down there until I die, and then he can 
take over the rest of the house. I don't care. But now they have their houses broken into because Tommy will not let go of the Legos. You kids out there, you adult kids out there really do need to grow up. This is from Gay Cities. West Palm Beach honors Gay Bar as a landmark site of historic interest. You queens out there have a fancy new landmark out there. The city of West Palm Beach in South Florida has added a long-running LGBTQ bar, HG Roosters, to its register of historic places. And I have never been there to HG Roosters. I have actually never been to West Palm Beach. White Boy Malcolm X, we should put that on our bucket list because I thought we were talking about going down to Key West, another gay enclave that I have not visited. But yeah, we should stop by West Palm Beach on our way down there so we can stop by HG Roosters to see that place. Here's one more pull quote. It makes it the only gay venue in Florida to be recognized as a designated historic site and only the third in the U.S. after the Stonewall Inn in New York City and the Atlanta Eagle in Atlanta. Hmm, the Atlanta Eagle, that's odd. Now, I have actually been, folks, I have been to the Stonewall Inn in New York City. I went there once. I met a friend of mine who lives in New York. We went there for a drink once. He's like, hey, you want to go to the Stonewall Inn? I'm like, yeah, sure. What the heck? I have wanted to see the place, so I saw it. Interesting bar, and it was kind of neat to sit in there and have, uh, I would say, one beer, but that would be a lie, two or three. And the Atlanta Eagle, man, I can't tell you the number of times I have been in there. And no, you queens out there, settle down. It is not because I am into the leather scene. So folks, if you are new to the podcast or new to gay culture in general, the Eagle is generally the leather bar in whatever city it's in. But we, this was back in the day. This had to have been in the mid-90s. So you queens out there, you middle-aged queens, you older queens in Atlanta or have been to Atlanta, Back in the old days, back in the early to mid-90s at least, before we moved out of Atlanta, it was the Blake's Armory and Backstreet Walk, right? Now, not everyone did it, but it was a very popular route. So you'd go to Blake's around 8-ish or so, I don't know, 8, 9, and then you would stay there till around, I don't know, 10, 10, 30, 11, and then you would walk over to the Armory, and the Armory and Backstreet were literally right next to each other. They shared a parking lot. The Armory was like this kind of dark, creepy bar, but yeah, it was a pretty big space, but that was the mid-evening event, and then around, I don't know, one o'clock-ish, we would just walk across the parking lot and go into Backstreet, and that was a 24-hour club back in the day. That was a massive, massive bar. That was three levels, so you would walk in, you had like pool tables and all these other kind of area, you had a bar there, and then in the back of the building, you had a two-story dance floor. It was massive, and then up on the third floor, They had a, what they called back in the day, they had Charlie Brown's Cabaret, and they would do drag shows up there. And I tell you what, the difference between a really good drag show and a really bad drag show, there is a world of difference there. (laughs) Can't describe it, but yeah, Charlie Brown's Cabaret would do an amazing, I really actually enjoy going up there and watching them perform. They just did a really, it was a first class job, and they would actually travel the country. The Cabaret would travel the country doing these shows in other areas, but I remember one, and this was before Woke, they had a drag singer, and her name was, and folks, don't yell at me, her name was Chocolate Thunderpussy. Chocolate Thunderpussy put on one hell of a show back in those days, but yeah, there was Chocolate Thunderpussy, there was Lily White was another one, and yes, she was white, but no, I don't think she was a racist, and then there was Charlie Brown and a whole host of other folks, but yeah, that was was fun. That was uh, fun back in the day, but yeah, but sometimes, folks, we didn't want to go over to to Backstreet. We didn't want to do that. So after the armory, we would go over to the Atlanta Eagle to dance. And we only went over there, and not because we were into the leather scene, but because 
two things. Number one, they played really, really good dance music, and we would just go over there and have a good time. And second thing, I have to say that the leather community, at least in the Atlanta Eagle back in the early to mid-90s, they were actually a pretty friendly group of people. They were actually, it was a very laid-back bar. I really enjoyed going over there, right? Because if you went to Blake's, it was a bunch of snooty, pretentious queens. If you went to Armory and Backstreet, same thing. A lot of those queens were just snooty and pretentious back in the day, but you could go over to the Atlanta Eagle, and that's kind of why I liked that bar, was because it was just low-key. They were who they were, and they didn't give a crap, and we just rolled in there, we drank, we danced, we left, and nobody bothered us, and when we happened to interact with someone, say you're at the bar waiting for a drink, you're chatting someone up, nice, friendly people. You never got that, or I should say you rarely got that over at Blake's. They just weren't nearly as friendly, so... Yeah, I have actually been to the Atlanta Eagle and Stonewall, so White Boy Malcolm X, we have got to put HG Roosters on the list so I can say that I have been to all three gay bars that have been designated as landmark sites. And seriously, folks, that is not my scene, the leather scene, but hey, whatever floats your boat, like I always say, I'm very libertarian. As long as you're not hurting kids or animals, I don't really give a crap. So if that makes you happy, more power to you. From Zero Hedge, and here is my BLM story. BLM founder branded fraud after buying million-dollar home in mostly white L.A. enclave. I am shocked. I'm getting the vapors, white boy Malcolm X. Get me my smelling salts. (laughs) Who couldn't see this one coming? Anyway, here are a couple pull quotes there. The co-founder of the polarizing Black Lives Matter movement is under fire for buying a $1.4 million home in a posh California neighborhood that's 88% white. It's an interesting decision for Patrice Coolers, a self-professed Marxist and race-baiting activist who has paid lip service to promoting black pride. And folks at Zero Hedge, I also think that she is an angry lesbian as well. You can throw that into the mix. According to Dirt.com, the home is located in Topanga Canyon, an idyllic rustic neighborhood about 45 minutes outside of Los Angeles and less than 30 minutes from Tony Malibu. Cooler's new home has three bedrooms and two baths and sits on one quarter of an acre. The property also has a separate one-bedroom, one-bathroom guest house. And folks, the only thing I have to say to that is, They came to do good, and they have done very, very well indeed. So, Patrice, you angry lesbian you, you self-professed Marxist there, (laughs) you race baiter, you hater of whitey, enjoy your new million-dollar home in your white neighborhood. Yeah, those folks will never learn, white by my (laughs) They will never learn. They uh, they back these idiots, they back these frauds, these uh, shysters, and what do they get? Screwed in the end, just like the rest of us. From Queerty, it's official. Queer as folk is coming back. And here are a couple pull quotes with that. Cheers, queers. Streaming service Peacock has announced it will move forward with a full series order for a reboot of Queer as Folk. The Hollywood Reporter now reports that Stephen Dunn, noted for directing an episode of the anthology series Little America, will executive produce and reimagine the project under the watchful eye of Russell T. Davis, the man responsible for the original British series in 1999. This new version, also unrelated to the Showtime reboot that debuted in 2000, will examine the lives of a group of queer friends living in... Nolens, gosh. (laughs) Summit Mistress, you might have to go down there and see them filming that train wreck. Dunn has worked to develop the project since 2018. 
And for you queens out there going, oh, yay, we're going to get more queer smoke. We're going to get more queer smoke. This is for you. Peacock has commissioned an eight-episode season for the new show, though no release date has been announced as yet. White Boy Malcolm X, did you watch The 2000 Queers Folk when that debuted? You did not. I actually gave it three episodes. I think I watched three, maybe four, but I watched that, and folks, it was, uh, how do I put that? It was graphic. (laughs) If they were straight actors and they were playing gay for pay, man, they were amazing actors because... It was basically pornography, (laughs) what they were showing there. And I never watched the British series back in 1999. That had Charlie Hunnam, Hunan, I don't know how to pronounce that guy's name. That had him as the blonde twink in that version. Now, that might have been interesting to watch, but no. I I did try the 2000 U.S. version, and I thought it was just, it was just a dumb show. Bunch of drama queens. And back in those days, I was out in San Francisco with my ex, Yes, the crystal meth addict, but he wasn't back then. But yes, we were already, I think, on our seventh or eighth year in a relationship. And we were what they call adulting. For you millennials and Gen Z kids out there, we were adulting. We had a house and jobs and the whole nine yards. And that show was just about gay drama (laughs) and just random hookups. And it was just, I was like, nah, this is not for me. So I just kind of quit watching it. But I have to say, HBO has a I would not say a similar series, but it's a gay themed show and it's called uh, Looking. And they only had it on, I think, two, maybe three seasons. And they cut it early, but they did do a movie to kind of close all the story arcs. But that was a substantially better done gay show. If you want a substantially better, classier version of Queer as Folk, and let's face it, folks, that is not a high bar to hit, but HBO with their series Looking did a phenomenal job about three gay men in San Francisco, of all places. I think it was, I don't know, the show's probably about five or six years old at this point, but it was a very, very, very well-done program. Substantially better than Queer as Folk. And I might have to see maybe one or two shows of what they're doing in Nolans to see about that. But no, I probably, if it's just like the last one, not so much. I probably will not watch too much of it. Yeah, gay shows are extremely hit and miss, mostly miss. From the New York Post, Woman finds out she has two vaginas while giving birth. And folks, that does not surprise me too, too much because we did have that news article a couple months ago where a substantial portion of lady folks out there could not identify their vagina. (laughs) The fact that someone's got two of them, she didn't know what it was in the first place. She is definitely not going to know about two of them. Here are a couple pull quotes there. For 25 years, Brittany Jacobs had no idea she had two vaginas until she went into labor. Oh, honey, you have two vaginas, two cervixes, and two uteruses, a nurse finally told her while Jacobs was in the process of giving birth to her first child, the now 26-year-old recounted in a viral TikTok video, which has racked up over 2.7 million views. While Jacobs didn't realize she had double anatomy, she had noticed that something was off in her nether regions. And folks, she is talking about her (laughs) hoo-hoo. That's what she is talking about when she is mentioning her nether regions where she'd first observed as a young girl that she had two openings. I always believed it was my hymen, and as I got older, I thought it was just really tough and maybe would break one day, she told BuzzFeed. White Boy Malcolm X. Now, I hate to call Brittany Jacobs a liar. (laughs) I would like to say that I guess she misspoke, but White Boy Malcolm X, do you truly believe that she went 25 years and she was having sex, obviously, right? (laughs) But... She goes 25 years and nobody tells her 
Not the man she's having sex with to get the baby. Not all the other men she might have had sex with. Who knows? Maybe she was a virgin until her first time was getting pregnant. But she never went to the gynecologist, her obstetrician. Nobody said a damn word to her about the fact that she had two vaginas. <laughs> I guess I'm just asking White Boy Malcolm X. Does that make sense to you that she went 25 years, had sex, got pregnant, and she had absolutely no idea? Or, hold on, before you answer. <laughs> I already know what you're going to say, but or... She just wanted to get on TikTok and have a viral video, which she got, right? At the end of the day, she is now a TikTok star for 15 minutes. She got that special recognition, <laughs> which I guess these dopey millennials and Gen Z kids crave. They've got to be a star for 15 minutes on TikTok or Instagram or whatever. But do you believe her, White Boy Malcolm X? Hell no. See, <laughs> I, folks, I'm sorry, but I do not know how this woman made it 25 years and nobody pointed that out. Not the guy she's having sex with. Not her gynecologist, not her obstetrician, just Shazam, this nurse who said, oh, honey, you have to, I guess some queen was like looking down there going, hmm, I don't play down there, but that looks kind of odd to me. <laughs> honey, you got two vaginas down there. You got two hoo-hoos. Hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo. <laughs> so, yeah, Brittany Jacobs. I hope it was worth humiliating yourself on TikTok. Although, let's face it, folks, she is probably proud as can be, proud as a peacock, to brag about the fact that you had two hoo-hoos. <laughs> you kids these days and what you find important. This is our last news quick hit, and it's from Pink News. And how's this one, White Boy Malcolm X? 911 Lone Star, and that, folks, is a television show, Actor Ronan Rubenstein comes out as bisexual. And what do we say about bisexuals, folks, on the Miller Frost Show? They will do anyone, right? After gay role helped him release his truth. So I guess Ronan is gay for pay. He plays a gay actor, and playing that gay actor helped him realize that he was bisexual. Which, let's face it, folks, is not a high bar to hit. And White Boy Malcolm X, what do you think of Ronan Rubenstein? Look at this young stud. Yeah, I mean, not bad. I mean, a little too young for me, but yeah, he's a cute kid, even if he is bisexual. So let's find out a little bit more about that. 911 Lone Star actor Ronan Rubenstein has come out as bisexual after playing a gay man on the show, saying the role gave him the confidence to accept himself. The Israeli-American actor and activist, 27, and so he is 27 years young, folks, and I have no idea what kind of activist he is, they all are out there in Hollywood, currently stars as Rob Lowe's gay son, T.K. Strand, on the drama series about fire, police, and ambulance teams in Austin, Texas. White boy Malcolm X, you want to talk about eye candy? <laughs> A television show about fire, police, and ambulance teams in Austin, Texas. If that is an eye candy galore, nothing is. He opened up about his sexuality in an interview with Variety on Wednesday, telling the publication... I fully identify as bisexual. I literally just got goosebumps saying that, he added. Bisexual or not, Ronan is a drama queen if he's... <laughs> oh, I'm just getting goosebumps. Oh, I just... I'm bisexual. Oh, the goosebumps. Oh. It feels so good to talk about it. It feels so good to finally be comfortable with it. And this is the kicker, folks. He's fully supported by his girlfriend, Jessica Parker Kennedy, 36, who insisted he embrace his true self after years of hiding. So Jessica Parker Kennedy, she is a cougar. She got herself a man, a stud at 27 years old, at nine years her junior. So she is like, oh, I think that's great. 
and White by Malcolm X, who does Jessica Parker Kennedy remind you of? Yes, uh, her name actually is Emma Porter. So White by Malcolm X was like Elliot Page's wife. Yes, folks. And if you need to be brought up to speed on that, so you had, at the time, I am not being disrespectful, I'm not misusing the transgender name, at the time, you had Ellen Page, and Ellen Page was a lesbian, right? Or she came out, she was straight, and then she came out as a lesbian, and then she met Emma Porter, right? And the two of them, like lesbians do, right? They meet each other once, they get a U-Haul, they... No, I'm kidding. I'm just playing around, folks. But anyway, they get together, they fall in love, they get married. So you've got this wonderful lesbian couple. You have Ellen Page, and you have Emma Porter, right? And that's what Emma signed up for. She found a woman, she got married, she thought she was going to live happily ever after. And then Ellen came to her one day and said, you know what, Emma, I'm actually a man and my name is Elliot. <laughs> and so poor Emma Porter came out and not out of the closet, right? She's already out of the closet, but she came out and she's like, I support Elliot. And I think this is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing. And this is great. Even though I know in the back of her mind, she's like, man, I am a lesbian and I married a woman. And now all of a sudden I'm a straight woman because I'm married to a man. What am I going to do? What the hell have I got myself into? That was poor Emma Porter. And then to add insult to injury, because this poor lesbian married who she thought was a lesbian who wound up being a heterosexual man, she got served divorce papers. Because <laughs> Elliot is like, why the hell am I married to a lesbian, right? I am a heterosexual man. So Elliot was like, I'm out of here, right? Here's your divorce papers. I am gone. So what did Emma get for having to go out in public and support this hot train wreck? <laughs> This disaster to her relationship, she got divorce papers <laughs> out of all that. She did all that work and like, okay, I will suck this up to save the relationship. This is the person that I love. It was the woman that I love. And now it is the man that I love. And I am a lesbian, but I am going to, I am in this to make this work no matter what, right? And what does she get for it? Nothing, right? At the end of the day, a train wreck. And that, I think, is exactly what Jessica Parker Kennedy is going to get. So if Ronan Rubenstein is coming to her and saying, you know what, honey, I am bisexual, Clearly, the relationship is open. <laughs> he can go out and bang anyone, right? That's what a bisexual does. They will do anyone. But yeah, if she is being told that he is bisexual, if he has not already started sleeping with a man, he is about to start sleeping with a man. And then at some point, Ruben's going to go, man, I like this as a full-time job. <laughs> so poor Jessica Parker Kennedy is going to wind up as the second Emma Porter of this year. <laughs> having to go out and publicly support someone who's going to wind up dumping them at the end of the day. So Jessica, just like Emma, bless your heart. And I mean that in a sincere way. Bless your heart, dear, for having to go through this. I would dump that bisexual loser the second you get before he gets the opportunity to go sleep with a couple guys behind your back and, and throw you out to pasture. Ronan, you queen. You ain't fooling anyone. Bisexual my ass. Okay, now that that hot mess is over, our news quick hits are over. Let's go ahead and jump into our news pile. And yes, White by Malcolm X, gay is at the front, smoking gun is at the back. And how is this for our first headline? Gender fluid student in the running to become Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issues first male model. So for all you heterosexual men out there who enjoy taking the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue into the bathroom, or you just lock the basement door, you're looking at your sex doll going, not today. I got the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. I, I have that to take care of business today. You might have a man <laughs> as part of your eye candy to help you do what you need to do. The Sports Illustrated Swim Search is down to its final 15. 
And for the first time, a queer man is in the running for a spot in the magazine's annual swimsuit issue. Louis Fries, a 21-year-old from Minneapolis, Minnesota, could be the first man in the publication's 57-year-long history to appear in its swimsuit special. After a virtual casting call, the full-time student who identifies as male and is exploring their gender fluidity, and yes, folks, their gender fluidity, so he is a special funky pronoun person, or I should say they are a special funky pronoun person, is now one of the 15 finalists, six of whom will be selected to be in Sports Illustrated. The entire concept of being the first male does not phase me, Fries told people. I really don't view myself as the first, but as the next. The next model to break a barrier. The next model to have these uncomfortable conversations. The next model to be unapologetically myself. I am so grateful to be part of a group of finalists who all represent completely different messages, yet have the same goal to further inclusivity. Last month, Lena Bloom became the first black trans woman to appear on the swimsuit issue, following Valentina Sampio, a Brazilian model who was the first trans woman to appear in the issue. In his bid to be chosen as a model, Free said the opportunity would allow them to promote inclusivity through a national platform. Inclusivity means so much more than just checking boxes. <gasps> White boy Malcolm X, did I just read that correctly? Inclusivity means so much more than just checking boxes. Folks, oh my God. <laughs> you know who is going to be pissed off, White Boy Malcolm X, and you folks out there who listen to this podcast, queens with clipboards <laughs> are going to be really pissed off because that is their job, is to go around with their clipboard and their pen and check boxes. <laughs> and this queen is saying, uh-uh, no, it is not about checking boxes. It is so much more than that. Goodness. You are in a lot of trouble there, Lewis, when a queen with a clipboard is going to hit you with the clipboard and stab you with the pen for insulting them, insulting what they do for a living. Hi, Lewis. I've got my clipboard, and I've got my pen, and I've got one box to check, and that's, did I bitch slap Lewis Freeze? <laughs> I'm checking that box, putting this clipboard and pen down, and bitch, here it comes. <laughs> Watch out, Lewis. Those queens with clipboards, they do not play. Anyway, let's pick that back up. Inclusivity means so much more than just checking boxes. Again, folks, we completely disagree with that. It's creating new ones that eventually become universally required, he added. Well, so maybe, on second thought, they may not be so bad. There may be more boxes for that uh, queen with a clipboard to check off. Although now that I think about it, they're kind of lazy, those queens with clipboards. They only want to check off a couple boxes. You give them like 50 boxes to check, they're going to be a little butthurt about this. We don't want to go there, Lewis. And in an Instagram post celebrating the news that he's a finalist, Fries reflected on what gender means to him. Going through this process, I have learned so much about myself, and most importantly, my identity, they said. To be honest, I have no clue where my gender really falls at the moment. <laughs> of course not. It's like flipping a coin. Heads, tails, male, female, heads, tails, male, female. But all I can do is take things day by day and share every moment with all of you. Can you imagine White Boy Malcolm X being a cisgender woman right now? Especially a young cisgender woman who's like, I would love to be on the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. I'd love to be a model on their front cover, man. I would, that's my dream. That's my hope. And to find out, yeah, we're not so much interested in you folks anymore. We have all these different gender fluid and transgender people. We want to pay them attention because we want to be extra woke here at Sports Illustrated in a gender fluid way. These women are like, what the hell? How do we get 
kicked out of this. But you can't say anything, ladies. You know this. You can't complain about this sort of thing. You're supposed to say, that's wonderful. I would ban all cisgendered women, right? You're just supposed to smile and take it on the chin. Because <laughs> if you don't, not only are you a transphobe and a bigot, but you are a turf on top of that. <laughs> so smile and take it, ladies, just like the rest of us. And let's face it, folks, this is going to be like that story we had on the Miss USA pageant. I think it was the Miss USA pageant, Miss America pageant. One of these pageants where a transgender was suing to get in and they have been denied so far. But my point at the time was once they get in, once they get a foot in the door, you have to give them the award and you have to do it every year, right? Because the year you don't give it to a transgender person, or in this case, if Sports Illustrated does not award a transgender or gender fluid person as their cover model of the year, they are going to be called bigots and transphobes. They're trying to erase us. They're not allowing us to be on the cover. They're transphobes and bigots and turfs. They're horrible people, right? So they kind of have to do this now, right? They are being held hostage to being called unwoke. And that is the last thing they want to do or be called in this society is to be called unwoke. So yes, if you are a cisgender woman out there, you might as well not even bother to apply when these silly little contests come up saying you too can be a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model. Ugh, forget it. I don't even want to try because if I try, I know I'm not going to win because everyone else is going to win from this point forward. Here is the first of two smoking gun stories. How's this headline, folks? Police, Iowa party predator assaulted man. Uh-oh. Let's find out what's going on here in Iowa. An inebriated partygoer who thought his girlfriend was performing a sex act upon him was actually being molested by an Iowa man who is now facing a sexual abuse charge, records show. According to investigators, DNA evidence links defendant Kyle Ahrens, 20, to the assault on the victim, an Illinois college student who was attending a party at the Iowa City apartment his girlfriend shares with Ahrens and other roommates. So... This guy, this Kyle Ahrens, blew his roommate's boyfriend. Hmm. Naughty, naughty Kyle. <laughs> Kyle, have you not heard of not peeing where you eat? I guess not. Ahrens pleaded not guilty last month to the felony count. Holy crap, White Boy Malcolm X. Blowing your roommate's boyfriend is a felony in the state of Iowa. Free on bond, he is scheduled for trial on August 10th. As detailed in police and court records, the victim admitted that he had drank quite a bit and was intoxicated when his girlfriend took him into a bedroom so he could rest. The man recalled his girlfriend laying with him until he fell asleep. The victim told police that his next memory was his pants being pulled down and someone starting to perform oral sex on him, adding that he kept his eyes closed and thought it was his girlfriend performing oral sex on him, so he let it continue. <laughs> You straight men out there, if you cannot tell the difference between a queen and your girlfriend blowing you, bless your hearts. <laughs> bless your hearts. Thereafter, the victim said he heard the bedroom door open and saw what appeared to be a flash from a cell phone photo being taken by a male with a beard who was backing out of the room. So he could not tell the difference, folks, between a man with a beard giving him a blowjob and his own girlfriend. When the victim awoke the following morning, his girlfriend said that she was not the one performing oral sex and that the description of the bearded man matched Ahrens, one of her roommates. Ahrens, a search warrant application states, arrived at the apartment around the time that the woman was putting the victim to sleep in another roommate's bedroom. So White Boy Malcolm X, I think I've got the story right, but let me just make sure I have got this right for you, for myself, 
for the listeners out there. So there's a party at this apartment, right? And so the victim is there with his girlfriend, right? They're partying with some other people and what have you. And so he gets really, really drunk. And the girlfriend's like, you need to go to bed. He's like, okay, I'll go to bed. So she takes him in the bedroom. He goes to bed. He's like laying there and she curls up next to him, what have you. And he passes out. She goes back to the party. And around that time, Kyle Ahrens, her roommate, comes home. She's out there partying with everyone. So Kyle's like, hmm. I would love to give a blowjob. And let's face it, my roommate's boyfriend is hot, hot, hot. And I want that guy, right? Do I have this right? Okay, perfect. So far, so good. Okay, so then he's like, I want that guy. And he's in there and he's passed out. So Kyle excuses himself from the party going on there, right? So he, I guess the girlfriend's out doing whatever, partying with her friends. And so he slips into her room where her boyfriend is passed out drunk and he unzips the pants and he goes and proceeds to give this guy a blowjob. And just, I'll let you folks figure <laughs> figure out what goes on next but anyway it's all done kyle gets up from doing whatever and whips out his cell phone and snaps a picture of that little stud he just blew and then leaves right and then as he's doing that the guy like wakes up and i don't know passes back out again but the next day folks right the next day after all that crazy guy gets drunk at his girlfriend's apartment wakes up during a blowjob thinks it's her sees a guy take a picture after all that said and done next day he's there with the girlfriends and he's like man baby that, that was one hell of a blowjob last night. That was, man, out of this world. I have never had you give me a blowjob like that before. That, honey, I, man, that was amazing. Great job. And she's like, I didn't give you a blowjob, honey. And he's like, what? And she's like, no, that was not me giving a blowjob. Man, I, I, I swear that was you. I mean, now I kind of remember this guy taking a picture of me. He had a beard on, but, and the girl's like, that gay bitch blew my boyfriend. <laughs> man. So the two of them, he's probably like, oh, crap, I enjoyed a man blowing me. What the hell does that say about me? Maybe I'm bisexual. Maybe I'm like that Ronan Rubenstein from 911 Lone Star. Man, that's a great show, by the way. Maybe I'm bisexual just like him because I enjoyed a blowjob from someone that was not my girlfriend. And she's like, I am going to get that stupid queen. He went into my room and violated my boyfriend. That little queen, I'm going to get him. So that's it, right? We are caught up, right, White Pop Michael Max? Okay. Just want to make sure, folks. I just want to make sure I got the story that queen spited his roommate and blew her boyfriend. Upon being confronted by cops, Ahrens denied sexual contact with the victim and claimed that he had blacked out due to drinking too much and doesn't remember anything from the night of the incident. But Ahrens was certain there was no reason his DNA would be on the victim or his clothing, according to a criminal complaint. <laughs> no, I, I, I look, guys, I, I don't remember what happened. I got really drunk and I passed out, but hey... I would not check my roommate's boyfriend's penis in his underwear. I mean, my DNA would not be on anything. So just, I would not do that. I mean, I wouldn't check there, but no, I don't, I would not blow anyone. Like, right, I'm doing that. That's crazy talk. No, I, that's nutty. That's just nutty. I just passed out drunk. But don't check DNA. Don't check for my slobber all over his crotch and his underwear and his pants and all that. I wouldn't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Bless your heart there, Kyle. Bless your heart. However, lab tests on the victim's underwear returned a DNA profile that matched Ahrens, triggering his arrest for sexual abuse. In addition to getting a search warrant to obtain DNA, police also received court permission to seize Ahrens' iPhone and search it for any photos or videos of the victim. If convicted of sexual abuse, Ahrens could face up to 10 years in prison. 10 years, folks, for blowing your roommate's boyfriend. <laughs> 
Well, I will have to say this. Kyle at least is a professional at giving good blowjobs. So he will be, he will fit in perfectly in an Iowa State prison. Man, white boy. <laughs> Kids these days and they're misbehaving. From campus reform, a little bit more race for you folks. Theology professor, dear God, please help me hate white people. <laughs> Honey, I don't think God needs to give you any help to hate white people. A seminary professor wrote a prayer in which she asked God to help her hate white people. Shaniqua Walker Barnes. And yes, folks, Walker Barnes is hyphenated. And what do we say about people with hyphenated last names, especially on a college campus? They are angry leftist nutjobs. Anyway, Shaniqua Walker Barnes is an associate professor of practical theology at Mercer University in Macon, Georgia, which claims a Baptist identity. Her oration was published in A Rhythm of Prayer, a collection of meditations for renewal. Dear God, please help me hate white people, opens the prayer, or at least want to hate them. At least I want to stop caring about them individually and collectively. I want to stop caring about their misguided, racist souls, to stop believing that they can be better, that they can stop being racist, she continues. And I know you good white liberals out there going, Oh yes, we suck, we hate white people, we hate ourselves for being white, yes. Talk dirty to us, Shaniqua. Tell us how horrible we are. We know we suck, we know we're horrible, we know we're racist. Walker Barnes says that she has no interest in hating strident segregationists who mow down nonviolent anti-racist protesters, who open fire on black churchgoers, or who plot acts of racism terrorism hoping to start a race war, as such people are already in hell. Instead, she desires the strength of God to hate the nice ones, specifically the Fox News-loving, Trump-supporting voters who don't see color, but who make thinly-veiled racist comments about those people. She adds that such white people welcome black people into their churches and small groups, but brand us as heretics if we suggest that Christianity is concerned with the poor and the oppressed, and politely tell us that we can leave when we call out the racial microaggressions we experience in their ministries. And folks, if you need an example of a racial microaggression, racial microaggression, hmm, let me think about that. Uh, well, I would just say good morning, right? Because to a BIPOC folk, to a woke folk with a chip on their shoulder, good morning is very triggering because let's face it, folks, in their community, in their eyes, no capital B black person or any other person of color would have a good morning living in a tyranny of white supremacy and white power and white privilege <laughs> and structural racism, right? So when you say good morning, they just think you're being flippant and sarcastic and showing them a microaggression. <laughs> they get a little butt hurt when you wish them good morning. Walker Barnes admits that I don't have many relationships with people like that, meaning that they are not good use of hatred either. So she asked the Lord for the permission and desire to hate the white people who claim the progressive label, but who are really wolves in sheep's clothing. And that white boy Malcolm X, that reminds me of that black chick, that mayor of Charlottesville, Virginia. She said basically the same thing, calling all those white liberals frauds out there. <laughs> so this one, Shaniqua Walker Barnes, she also wants sweet baby Jesus to help her hate the frauds, the good dopey white liberals who she thinks are just a bunch of fakes. Lord, if you can't make me hate them, at least spare me from the perennial gaslighting, white mansplaining, and white women tears, she prays. <laughs> I told you white women out there, especially you liberal white women, you are not going to escape the woke folk. Lord, if it can be your will, harden my heart. 
Stop me from striving to see the best in people. Stop me from being hopeful that white people can do and be better. Let me imagine them instead as white hooded robes standing in front of burning crosses. And that, folks, is what you call a flat-out racist. Shaniqua Walker Barnes, the Associate Professor of Practical Theology at Mercer University in Macon, Georgia, is a racist. (laughs) I know she likes to complain about whitey, but man, I tell you what, if a white person said anywhere near half of this, they would be done, done, done. And they complain about white rage. I tell you what, the BIPOC rage coming out of folks like Shaniqua Walker Barnes We got nothing, white boy Malcolm X, we got no rage (laughs) compared to this chick and her hatred, her vile hatred of white people and all that is white. And you dopey white liberals out there, oh, I, I hate whitey too, I am down for the struggle. I mean, screw my children out of their place in society, give it to the BIPOC folk, we don't care, we just want to be woke folk ourselves. You are not going to escape this, you are... You are as guilty as the rest of us for being just flat-out racist and the owners of systemic racism and white power and white fragility, white whatever, white, 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 whatever they want to throw in front of that. But yeah, this, folks, is what you get with generations of indoctrination. And I can look back, I'm 51 years old, and I can look back to the... uh, the 80s, remember the original race hustlers, and I'm sure it was going on before then, but you got the Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton's of the day, and they were making huge bank off of it, like Patrice Coolers and the rest of them in this generation, but they're making huge money talking about how evil Whitey is and how you got to hate Whitey and how Whitey is a racist and society is racist and everything is horrible. Racist, 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 right? White people suck as, as a platform for going about life. And that, this is what you get from that. This hatred, hatred of whitey and then gaslighting. You want to talk about gaslighting? Running around complaining about white rage when all you BIPOC folks, you liberal leftist BIPOC folks, all you do is go around bashing whitey all day long and complaining about all this stuff that whitey is guilty of. Biggest pack of frauds. And how many of you are making millions of dollars spewing out this racial nonsense and angering and ruining another generation of race relations in this country. And if you want an example of where this is going to, look at the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. And you're like, Miller, what the hell are you dragging the Israelis and the Palestinians into this for? Folks, the Palestinians for decades and decades and decades have been brainwashing their children from a very young age about how evil The Jews are, right? They trash talk Israelis, and that is part of their school programs, and that is what critical race theory is, folks. But that is what they do from a very young age, starting when these kids are like first in school, they start brainwashing them about how evil the Israelis are. And that is why, folks, at 12 years old, you have these child suicide bombers willing and ready to blow themselves up to kill Jews. Why? Because they have been brainwashed from a very, very young age that the Israelis are evil and need to be destroyed. And that is what you have here, is you have generations of BIPOC folk being taught about whitey, and every white person out there is guilty of systemic racism and propping up a white culture. And every time a white person does anything, it is just symbolic of a greater problem out there. So when you have a Dylan Roof shooting up a church in Charleston, South Carolina, 
It is not just Dylan Roof doing it. It is all of white power behind him doing it. And every white person is guilty of that act. So Shaniqua Walker Barnes, another one out there, another racial huckster out there spewing forth more hate to ruin our culture and ruin race relations. I hope, Shaniqua, I hope this makes you happy. I hope you sleep better at night knowing that you are spewing forth toxic garbage and destroying any semblance of what good race relations in this country would be like. She's probably just pissed off white boy Malcolm that she ain't making as much money as some of the other race hustlers out there. Don't worry, Shaniqua, you keep this up. You too can be a multimillionaire race hustler. We are down to two stories, white boy Malcolm X. Yes, two stories. And folks, I have been saving the best for last. And if you're out there going, Miller, Miller, what do you mean you're saving the best for last? Well, folks, I have a teacher brace story, and then I have a smoking gun story. And for the first time ever, I do not even care that this smoking gun story is not in Florida. It is in Michigan, and it is such a good story. Folks, you will even forget it is in Florida. Now, when I read it, you might go, man, that is a great Florida story, but we'll make it work in Michigan no matter what. So let's go ahead and dig into our teacher bait story. And this is from WLBT Channel 3. Former JPS teacher to spend 10 years behind bars must register as a sex offender. And folks, this is out of Jackson, Mississippi. And so you Mississippi teachers out there, you folks in the South, because we've had a couple of these stories coming out of the South where they don't screw around down there. They will put your ass in jail for 10, 15, 20 years for doing this. But if you are eyeing up that fresh teacher bait going, I love that fresh teacher bait. I got to get me some of that fresh teacher bait. If you're doing that, first, like I always say, never get a boy to do a man's job. Just don't do that. Stop it. Quit it. Seriously. But if you do do it, you're going to jail for a long time. And if Mississippi turns into California, you might get a man in your jail who's going to give you a really good time because you had to have a good time with some fresh teacher bait. A former Jackson Public School teacher who was found guilty of sexual battery against a 17-year-old student was sentenced to 15 years in the custody of the Mississippi Department of Corrections. Amber Turnage, who was sentenced Thursday, will serve 10 years behind bars with five years suspended for both counts of sexual battery. She must also register as a sex offender. Turnage was found guilty of her crimes in March after an investigation was launched in 2017. Investigators said she had a relationship with a 17-year-old student at Provine High School. The investigation began after the victim's father found sexual videos of Turnage and his teen son. And folks, if you have seen a picture of Amber Turnage, you will never, bless that poor father's heart, you will never unsee an image of her naked having sex. Especially in the father's case, she's banging your boy. But yeah, if you are watching her doing anything naked... You will never unsee that. That will haunt you to the end of day. So, Father out there, bless your heart for having to witness that. Ugh, I just see her headshot, her mugshot there, and eh, I don't want to see any more. The student said he met Turnage, who was married at the time, after school one day, and that they quickly developed a relationship. The victim alleged that Turnage gave him gift cards, money, and even said that the two would sometimes go to different motels in Jackson. While testifying, the victim's father said that he became suspicious of the son's behavior and decided to go through his cell phone. 
So you parents out there, if you are wondering if your high school student, your child, if they are being banged by their teacher, if they are someone's fresh teacher bait, if you need to know what suspicious behavior in a teenage boy looks like, <laughs> I would say that a teenage boy that is banging their teacher or banging anyone for that matter, has an enormous smile on his face and he is overly relaxed for a teenager. Like, man, that is just odd. I would expect a teenage boy to be surly and cranky and kind of snippish, but that boy walks around with a crap-eaten grin on his face all day long. And I wonder where he's getting all those gift cards from. <laughs> and that is what the father figured out. He's like, that is really unusual. I better check out that boy's phone. That's when he found videos of his son in Turnage. Turnage claimed that she was controlled by the student. God. White boy Malcolm X, she was his sex slave, I guess. I can see that kid tormenting that woman and controlling her. He'd probably be like, you want this fresh teacher bait, don't you? Don't you, teacher? Don't you want this fresh teacher bait? Don't you want me as this fresh teacher bait? You want this fresh teacher bait? Yes! Where's my gift card? Where's my gift cards, huh? Where's my video games? Can I get a new PlayStation? Can I get some candy? Come on, teacher. You want this French teacher brain? She's probably like, okay, I'll do anything because I want to go. Nom, 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 on that French teacher brain. So I'll do whatever it takes. I'll do it. I am controlled by you. I am your slave. <laughs> Bless everyone's heart in this hot train wreck of a story. The teacher was fired by Jackson Public Schools after two years with Provine High School. An attorney for the family released a statement when Turnage was found guilty last month, reading in part that Turnage's conviction reaffirms the notion that child predators deserve the shock and outrage which accompany their despicable acts, and in a civilized society, these acts must always be met with the severest punishment. So, White by Malcolm X, let me just understand this. This kid was 17 years old. He was a stone's throw to legal, and I think in... Alabama, we did have a teacher bait story where the age of consent is 16 years old, right? So I know a lot of high school teachers are moving down to Alabama. They're going to risk that jail time to do a high school student. But I guess this kid is a stone's throw from 18 years old. She's banging him. He seems to be enjoying it. I don't think he cried rape over this. He's taken those gift cards. He's taken all the other stuff she's given him and enjoying himself getting laid in the process, but I guess it is a despicable act that requires a 15-year sentence. I'm sure that Amber Turnage is a little teed off because a lot of these, let's face it, folks, a lot of these teachers just get a slap on the wrist. They do not get any sort of punishment whatsoever, and this woman and a couple others are going to, to jail for at least a decade for banging a consenting teenager, 17 years old, right? They can change their gender at four, they can make that decision for themselves. That is no problem there, right? But 17 years old, you want to have sex with a teacher? That apparently. Not that I'm advocating for that, folks, right? What do I always say? You teachers out there, stop it, quit it. You never get a boy to do a man's job. Do not do that. But I'm not quite sure that warrants a 10-year sentence in jail. That's all I'm saying. When kids can do all sorts of crazy stuff at four and six and eight years old, and they can make all sorts of life choices for themselves that gets them on hormones and gets them a brand new, brand spanking new gender. This, this to me is not the big deal. Some people make it out to be. Especially white boy Malcolm X, especially when she was controlled by that first teacher, right? He had her on a leash, so to speak. 
And folks, I'm not sure that actual rapists, where there is zero consent, much less willing consent, we had that story about that kid who was banging that teacher. He banged her over 100 times. And then six years after the fact, then he cried foul, right? And this poor woman, I think, was going to jail for like 15 years <laughs> for banging him. And he banged her 100 times, folks. But she is guilty. I don't think actual rapists get 15, 10, 15 years in jail. And these women who have consenting relationships with near adults, right? These kids are like 16, 17 years old. They are certainly able to make a lot of other life choices without anyone saying boo. But if they have sex with an adult, suddenly there's a there's something wrong with all of that. But yeah, I don't think actual rapists spend as much time in jail as teachers who bang consenting students do. Okay, folks, we are finally here at our last story, our smoking gun story. And like I said, I am not butthurt that it is not in Florida. Here's the headline, and you'll see why. Here's the headline. Cops, Michigan home inspector pleasured self with Elmo doll in residence nursery. And this reminds me, folks, of a story we had, I think it was last month, back uh, in March, and it was on one of our podcasts where this guy, of course, in Florida, goes into a Target store and he starts humping a unicorn. And then the store employee saw him humping the unicorn. So what did he do? He put the unicorn down and he shuffles off and he goes to another part of the store and he finds an Olaf doll. And Olaf is a snowman from, from Frozen, that uh, the cartoon movie or whatever. And so he starts humping that Olaf doll and humped it and raped that doll until he finished his business, right? And of course he was arrested and it was a misdemeanor in the state of Florida. But this is what this reminds me of, that rapey, guy in Florida raping those stuffed animals. So now we have a guy in Michigan raping an Elmo doll in a nursery. And I hope the baby wasn't there. <laughs> but let's find out a little bit more. While unaware that he was being recorded by a nursery camera, a Michigan home inspector pleasured himself with an Elmo doll, according to police. Kevin Wayne Van Leuven, 59, was arraigned yesterday on a pair of misdemeanor charges. <laughs> of course, only in Michigan, as in Florida, would humping an Elmo doll in someone's house be a misdemeanor, stemming from an unsettling incident, you can say that again, last month at a residence in Oxford Township, a Detroit suburb. Investigators say Van Leuven had been hired by the home's owners to inspect their property prior to a sale. The owners told police that they let Van Hooven and the buyer's real estate agent into the home, then departed the residence during the March 12 inspection. While away from the property, a 22-year-old female homeowner received an alert on her phone that a webcam had detected movement in the residence nursery. The woman then accessed the camera feed and saw Van Leuven touching himself, cops report. Oh, good God. Bless her heart having a look at that. The homeowner then picked up an Elmo doll and appeared to be pleasuring himself with the doll, police charge. After the homeowners called 911. Now that, folks, that has got to be the 911 call of all time. Can you see that woman? Oh my God, oh my God, there's a man in my house, in my nursery, raping my child's Elmo doll. You gotta get over there. Send the police. Oh my God, he's raping Elmo, he's raping Elmo. <laughs> Sheriff's deputy confronted Van Leuven, who claimed to have only moved the doll to inspect an electrical outlet. I guess technically he moved it with his penis. But when cops told him there was a camera in the nursery, Van Leuven reportedly made incriminating statements and apologized for this action. I wonder if he apologized, White Boy Malcolm X. I wonder if he apologized to the woman or the Elmo doll. Charged with aggravated indecent exposure and malicious 
not just destruction of property, malicious destruction of property under 200, Van Leuven was booked into the Oakland County Jail, where he is being held in lieu of $2,500 bond. A judge has directed Van Leuven to undergo a mental health evaluation. <laughs> yes, if Elmo is turning you on, you definitely need a therapist, and has prohibited him from being alone in any residential property that he does not own. If convicted of the indecent exposure charge, Van Hooven faces up to two years in prison. So raping an Elmo doll will get you in jail as well, but just two years. The property destruction count, which is, I guess, him defiling the Elmo doll, carries a maximum penalty of about three months in jail. And on that note, folks, since I cannot top a creepy 59-year-old man raping an Elmo doll <laughs> and that poor woman who had to watch it on her camera, since I cannot top that, we are going to plug-pull this podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by this Sunday podcast of the Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost, here as always with my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. Remember, you can get hold of me via email at miller at millerfrostonline.com. And my parlor handle is at Miller Frost. Have a great rest of your weekend, a great start to your week, and we will see you back here in a couple of days. Take care. Here's a tip. Cuando la salsa picante del Spicy Crispy Chicken Sandwich de McDonald's cae en el wrapper, se convierte en un dip para tus papitas. Esas papitas que te llevas con refresco mediano gratis al comprar cualquiera de los Crispy Chicken Sandwiches de McDonald's por el app. Crispy, juicy, and tender. Es pollo a la McDonald's. Ordena por anticipado en el app de McDonald's. Para pa pa pa. Válido del 28 de febrero al 3 de abril del 2022. Solo en McDonald's participantes de Estados Unidos. Válido una vez por semana. Se requiere descarga y registro de la aplicación de McDonald's. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.